I, this is always one of my favorite podcasts of the year because, well, I like to play at being a draft analyst one month a year. Uh, there are people who do this incredibly well, full time. Nobody better than Keandre Ashley. His Hoop Intellect YouTube channel to me is the best draft YouTube channel out there, mostly because I think you and I see eye to eye and we agree. That's 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 my standard for what the best one is. But how you doing, man? Great to have you on again. Yeah, man, I appreciate you having me on once again. You know, just been uh, working and getting ready for, you know, Thursday draft day. So, yeah. Yeah. Look, look, I want to ask you a question about your process. Of course, you spend a lot of time watching throughout the year, but as you put together a video. It's about 13, 14 minutes usually on all these process, uh, prospects, strengths and weaknesses. How much time goes into actually creating one of those videos, if you even can reduce it? Because I know you're kind of watching throughout the year. Yeah. So that's like always a d- difficult question to answer because... I am watching throughout the year. I'm clipping games. So like adding the stuff from November or October is kind of difficult to to kind of figure out a, a set number of hours or, or minutes or whatever. But from like a from like a start to finish point, like during the, the draft season, I say it probably takes, you know, a couple of days to, to finish you know, one of the videos, um, depending on the prospects, some take a little bit longer than others. The Victor Wimanyama one, I uh, was 20 minutes. That one was really difficult to kind of shrink down and put together, try to cover all the aspects of his game. Um, but yeah, I'd say it takes a couple of days just to, you know, cutting up some more film that I haven't get to watch or revisiting and, you know, also looking through different stats and kind of, um, maintaining the approach of things that I've already taken notes on um, from earlier on in the year. So are you actually like just taking a note, like at this time of the game, I want to show this as like the strength, like already cut this guy off nicely on, on this baseline drive. I'm going to show that to like show the guy's lateral movement. Like you got those notes from like back in November when you go to put together the video. Yeah. So some of that will be on there. And also I'll just like cut the game at that point. Like, you know, the champions classic, uh, I'm just thinking specifically Kentucky versus Michigan state. Um, I already had cut up case Wallace's game. I wanted to go back and watch that. I think he had like eight steals in that game. It was like a Kentucky record. So, um, I already had all that stuff is just like revisiting it and kind of looking at it through a different lens with like the full context of what he did during the year. So that's kind of the case for most of the prospects. Yeah, I, I like that. The thing that you do that makes me sh- or, or that shows me like how much work you're putting in on some of these is that Synergy has all these categories and there's sometimes stuff will show up in it. Uh, other times it won't. Right? Like the, the thing that will show up is, let's say a guy like tries to drive on the defender. You're saying you're doing the video on the defender and the defender just cuts him off. And then the guy just has to pass out of it to someone else. And it's like, that's not going to show up anywhere in Synergy where like you click on this and it just gives it to you. And so I always end up seeing a lot of plays that I didn't see because I only have time to watch maybe like two full games of each of these guys in addition to like the kind of pre-cut up stuff on Synergy. So that's what shows me that like, oh yeah, you're watching like every actual game. You're making notes even on something that's not just like, oh, I can just click on a button and see this. Like you can only see that by watching like full games and making note of certain plays yeah that's the that's the big thing because it's not going to always you're not always going to be able to see the full context of certain things whether it's defense especially with like 
a lot of the contest, you know, tracking stats, you know, you're not going to be able to see them cut off certain things. And I just want to be able to paint as much of a, uh, a picture as possible with a lot of that stuff. So there is a lot of moments, you know, even passes, obviously, if it's not an assist, you might not show up on, you know, the film or get uh, kind of clipped anywhere. So that's another big thing that I like to put in there as well. But yeah, just kind of trying to show the, the full picture of, you know, defense, passing, whatever um, the case may be. Yeah, especially because for a lot of these guys, you know, if they're not necessarily in an on-ball role as a freshman or something, like some of the mm-hmm. stuff it is pretty limited. Like you are relying on a few of these these flashes. Uh, however, for Victor Wembanyama, we don't have to rely on uh, flashes. He's had probably more runway than any elite prospect uh, that we've seen in terms of his ability to kind of do what he wants to do with the ball. He's been talked about for years and years and years and you know being talked about as a general generational prospect I, I don't know if i can quite go like the greatest prospect in any sport ever that's like a little too far for me but as far as like the amount of time that you've been doing this is he the best prospect you'd say that you've evaluated at this stage yeah for sure it's it's clear you know you just kind of look at the his combination of skills everybody knows who he is and what he can do at this point um but just being that size and that fluid that agile and also being able to do what he can do as a you know a shooter and you know projectably being uh, better percentage wise there down the line and just his his handle um, the obvious impact that he's going to have defensively being able to cover ground and defend a bunch of actions and protect the rim like he's he and he's doing it all at a high level in a in a pretty good league um, at this stage it's just we just haven't seen anything quite like it and um, I haven't been doing this as long as some other people obviously LeBron is the guy that always gets brought up um, in terms of like the, the full scope of things but um, he's he's for sure the the best guy yeah i mean certainly the highest potential you would have to say and that that's the biggest thing that that we value but also yeah in terms of production to be an mvp of a european league at this age is really i think luca although luca was even at a higher level with like the euro league and stuff but he's he's probably the only guy who's had this level of production uh in a european league at you know age 19 uh, essentially um so i i think are you one of these people who thinks like he's going to come in and be uh, playing at an all-star level right away, or do you think it's going to take a little more time for him? I think he's going to be – I think he'll be close at yeah. the least. I think it's hard to project a rookie as, you know, especially somebody who is – still a little on the slider side physically um, and we'll have some some room to grow there but it's hard to project somebody to immediately come in and do that but I think he's going to be at least in the conversation um, being in the West is obviously makes it even tougher you know if everybody's healthy you've got everybody from LeBron and AD coming in there to Paul, like Kawhi obviously the Lucas Jokic all those guys who are kind of establishing themselves as the 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 top guys out there but yeah I think that he's going to to immediately perform and be a, a very high level player um but like just immediately coming into the league and just being a world beater I think it'll take a little bit more time he'll have some growing pains in there but um yeah definitely has the talent to to come in and immediately make a, a real impact yeah I would say for me at least it's defense is where that's going to be the thing that people are just like not going to be able to deal with. And I, like he still has some weaknesses yeah. there. Obviously the strength, as you mentioned, is probably the biggest uh, of those, but that's the thing where I think everyone in the league is going to have to adjust it. Cause it, I've never, he makes plays as a shot blocker because it's not only basically the biggest wingspan, the highest standing reach in NBA history. You know, you'd have to go to like a minute bowl or Sean Bradley or something to compete with that. You know, it's even a level beyond like Gobert or Mo Bamba. It's then the, 
the mobility, the athleticism, the timing. I mean, he's just getting to balls mm-hmm. as a shot blocker that you just like no one has ever been able to get to before. Yeah, I think that 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 is for sure. I think he's immediately going to be one of the better defenders in the league. And that impact alone is probably going to I think it's going to make the Spurs a little better than maybe people think from the beginning. Now, we'll see what they do with the rest of the roster. I like, you know, Devin Vassell. I think Sohan is interesting. Um, but, you know, it's obviously not a, a ready-made. There's a reason that they were in the contention to to get the number one pick. Um, but, yeah, I think defensively, like, he's he's got the, a chance to be an absolute game changer. The way that he's he deters people from the rim, even not getting to shots, like, just affects shots. It makes people go to floaters or pass out and things of that nature. That was very apparent on every single game that he stepped out there. Even the games that he didn't score as many points or didn't have as many highlights, like, that was always there, and you could count on that. And, of course, you know, the versatility in the pick and roll at that size, being able to block shots out on the perimeter, that was something that is, you know, for a guard, like a 6'3 guard, it's so difficult to to get your shot off against him, even if he's standing in, you know, the paint or in, in the key or in the, you know, at the free throw line, he's still able to get two shots and, and get to shots and contest um, at a ridiculous level. So I, I think he's going to be unbelievable on that end, you know, pretty early. Maybe it takes a little time in some of his like uh technique in the pick and roll he, he can get a little uh you know ahead of himself sometimes uh and footwork wise can get out there i mean get beat a little just a little a little more than maybe you'd like but um other than that i think he's going to be really good on that end what do you think of him as a switch defender yeah i think that he's you know again he has the length to equalize so it like makes he gives him a lot of room for error um, he's not a guy who I would necessarily describe as like, he's going to be step for step with everybody every time. But once he gets pat, like if once he does give up an advantage, like he has so much room to be able to block shots and contest shots when you're going towards the rim or, you know, uh, pulling up for mid range, like he's already going to be there. So, uh, I think that he's going to be able to, to switch, um, you know, on, uh, at most times, I think he's going to be best in drop or best, uh, you know, deployed in a, in a drop or, you know, funneling people down towards him. But I think he's going to be able to switch uh, just fine um, because of those reasons. No, I, I agree with you on that. I mean, I yeah, you don't want that as like his primary thing because the overall room production is so good. But I think, yeah. you know, last eight seconds of the shot clock or something. And particularly, I think early on, he's going to play a lot with another big. And so to have that behind him as well, because to me, you either have to, especially if you're like a guy who's maybe six uh, under six five, trying to attack him. The only way to do it is just to go so hard to the basket that you beat him, which, you know, maybe you could be able to do that if you have absolutely elite quickness or you got to just like get your shot off fast or from like way out on the floor. And so if you're going to like pell-mell attack the rim like that against him and there's another shot blocker there, like it's going to be tough. I think like that's that level of mobility is pretty incredible to me. And I I'm interested to see, you know, how that works on a night to night basis against the NBA guards. But yeah, I mean, I I think he, again, you never want to, get too far over your skis i think some people are going a little (laughs) far with him but i mean i think that that to me is just the most obvious way i think he's gonna change the game but i want to ask you more about his offense though and the shooting in particular to me because that's i'm i am not sure if that shooting doesn't come around is he whether he's going to be able to be this kind of like game-changing offensive force as opposed to kind of maybe a you know more of a like solid offensive player but maybe not a guy you run everything through so what do you think about his shooting i think he was in the high 20s from three but of course the flashes the free throw shooting like there's a a lot there to like 
Yeah, that is definitely one of his bigger swing skills, depending on what level he can get to as a three-point shooter. Um, I think some of the physicality of the league and just him kind of adjusting to things and the, the shot diet, the difficulty, some of it off the dribble um, led to some lower percentages. Um, I tend to think that he's going to be a, a pretty good shooter in NBA. I think the game kind of lends itself to that. I think you look at, obviously it's like a really small sample, but you look at what he did against the Ignite, um, from three and just kind of his confidence, the, the mechanics, the, the footwork, like there's so many indicators from the free throws to just the general touch and the paint, like that he's going to be a, a good shooter in the future. Um, but yeah, like it has the potential to make him a little easier to guard if he stays in the 30s or the low 30s like defenses are going to have something that they can you know push him towards in in a way um where they won't be as concerned obviously if he's toward if he's near the bucket like that's going to be one of the more efficient shots in the nba um or play types but yeah i think like if he if he doesn't get to at least you know around league average on you know higher attempts just based on how teams are going to start to defend him and you know respect him and close out against him i think it'll change kind of the way that he's able to to impact games i think he'd still be a, a terrific player um in that you know scenario but that is one of those things that could could shift what he does i mean if you had to make a prediction on what type of shooter he is is it going to be he'll make open spot ups is he going to be a guy who can you know shoot a little bit on the move if you set a little screen for him or he sets the screen and, and pops out for three or is he a guy you even could see making shots uh, off the dribble if you have to kind of go through those three gradations where you think he's most likely to end up yeah i think that he's somebody honestly that does a lot of the, all of them um in in different ways i think that initially he's going to have a lot of opportunities as a screener and being a pick and pop threat depending on who he's running the the pick and roll with but um there i think that he's going to have a, a plenty of opportunities i think that you know as just a general spot up player or, or wherever he was he's at on in a, any given uh, possession just being able to catch and shoot um and then some stuff off the dribble that's the thing that i'm very interested to see just how much he's able to do at the next level um because like there's moments like the one-legged threes and you know <laughs> putting together different crossovers and step backs like if he's i think that he's going to be able to do some of that but like at what level what percentage is he hitting from from that uh on those um is a question that i have but like honestly the sky is the limit i don't really have any limits on like what necessarily he's going to see the most volume from i think off the dribble will be third there um yeah but like i think there's there's just so many possibilities for what he does it's just it, that's why it's easy to get wrapped up and get caught into like the highlights and everything um because it is so like immense yeah, I guess that was kind of a general thought that I had is that it, he's really uh, the highlights may overstate uh, where he's at right now as an offensive player. Uh, but also he was the lead guy for his team a lot. Like he had to take a lot of these shots where, you know, he's not going to blow by guys off the dribble necessarily. So he's got to pull up for a difficult shot. He's not, you know, or shoot a, a tough fade away from 18 out of the post. Like there are a lot of those uh, on his resume and he's not dealing great with, you know, having a body on him 
physicality like that's it's tough to make a jump shot like that i mean for me i i trust that he's going to be able to make spot ups just fine now you might get frustrated if he's spending a lot of time out there uh but yeah it's the question like is he going to be able to be a scorer with the jumper both from three and from two off the dribble um what other what are some of the other ways that you see him being able to create uh reliable offense like i think he's going to be amazing as a finisher like in the pick and roll and stuff i don't think we need to worry about that but as far as like what is the thing that he's going to do offensively that makes you as a defense like oh shit like we can't let him get to this so we got a double team. We got to orient our defense because that—that's what it really is ultimately about to me. And as far as like driving high end NBA offense, yeah, I think you know he has some work to do in terms of like low post scoring and being able to punish um, you know certain guys down there. And I think that you know that could potentially come with time, just given how tall he is, the touch and all that. Um, but it is hard to kind of create leverage on somebody who's you know at your your hip level. Um, but like the turnarounds and the fades, I think I could see that being a really big part of what he does and teams having to to come double and or try to throw something at him to to throw off that shot because he is elevating so much higher than anybody who's probably going to be guarding him. Um, you know, even like seven footers barely get up, are able to concess. I know he was playing against uh Ishmael Kamagate, who was the Nuggets pick last year, you know, playing for Paris. Um, out there and there was times where he, he made him look like you know a six seven guy just being able to you know rise up over him so I think that's a, a area that he'll be able to um, go to consistently um, over time you know from the jump it might not be there percentage wise but I think that's going to be something that he's able to do and then um, from there I think honestly just like the transition stuff like if he's when he's bringing the ball up the floor that puts you in a, a very difficult situation as a defense um, depending on who's guarding him being able to get to certain spots on the floor and you know shrinking the defense and then obviously if he is able to continue growing as a passer and decision maker and being able to read the floor and where things are at that's something that I think could be um, very difficult to, to handle get into that you know mid-range pull up and um, things of that nature so I think there's like so many different options of course you mentioned before him just being a screener and you know playing in the dunker or cutting you know around the rim that's going to be something that he's able to do you know consistently uh, throughout games depend especially you know if he's playing with another uh, bigger time creator um, but yeah those are some of the things I think he could do uh, in the NBA yeah and I really think too it, the system that he was in it was built to showcase him I like that with the Spurs you know they they pioneered the idea of 0.5 basketball and it hasn't always right. necessarily been that you know the 2014 team was like that but you know, they've also done plenty of ISO with Kawhi and DeMar DeRozan over the years too so it's not always going to be that but getting him to make quick decisions getting him on the move having other threats on the floor and seeing right. him use that way as opposed to the only way he's getting his shots is we throw him the ball and he just has to do something like that's that could be pretty that's exciting true. i really want to see how they're, they're going to use him yeah i'm i'm actually very interested in seeing like the creativity you know bringing him off a pin down like what do you do with that um for a defense like if you're switching it like who is the screener like that there's so many problems that arise from for from a defensive perspective um once you get him on the move and get other actions involved and how he's able to get points and how he's able to score inside. So yeah, I think there's a bunch of different ways that you could potentially use him, but like that, just that raw skill set and being able to, to make tough shots is going to serve him well for sure. All right. Who's number two on your board? For me, the number two guy on my board is Scoot Henderson. Um, I just think that he's clearly the most talented and, and best second, the best prospect 
um, the second best prospect in this in this class um, for a number of reasons. I think you look at sort of his trajectory over the last couple of years playing in the G League um, as a 17, 18, 19 year old. Um, had some injuries this year and it kind of affected his play. And um, maybe we didn't see the the ultimate jump that we wanted to see uh, in terms of like points per game and stuff. But the way he's able to create rim pressure and put pressure on a defense as a super athletic 6'2 guard with a 6'9 wingspan. Um, I've heard he's actually measured in a little bit taller than that. Um, but I mean, the point remains the same. He's built like a, you know, brick wall, just physically, um, much more advanced than, uh, most guards his age. And, you know, you combine that with the playmaking ability and being able to find guys for, for easy buckets, his sort of intensity and tenacity, um, for the game and obviously the mid range pull up. Um, kind of makes him one of those guys for me. And just also comparing him to the rest of the class, I think that what he does and his dynamic uh, makes him the guy that I would bet on uh, at number two. Um, but I know there's a lot of other, or there's a few other options or people that are most commonly brought up there. Yeah, so why why him over Brandon Miller, who still seems, at least as, as of this recording on the Monday before the draft, to uh, kind of it seems like the reporting is still indicating that he's the favorite uh, with that number two pick although there's plenty of obfuscation going around around uh this time this this time of year yeah so i think between him and brandon miller i think the charlotte situation has a lot to do with it if it was a different team um who didn't already have a, a guy that they can run an offense through like Lamelo ball um it might be a little bit different conversation or the, the posturing would be a little different um but in terms of like him versus Brandon Miller, I think some of the concerns that I have about Brandon Miller's ability to uh, create separation and consistently finish at the bucket against NBA defenders, you kind of look at what he did against top 50 conference, uh, competition this year, shooting just um, 31% from three there and, and 38.5% from two. Um, that type of stuff is, you know, gives you a little bit more pause. Obviously, he's 6'9". He's able to shoot it, um, can make plays secondarily. Like there's a lot of appeal in what he brings to the table. Um, but in terms of just those two, I like Scoot's, you know, dynamic um, being able to make plays. And that's what I would value more at the top of the draft than what Brandon Miller brings to the table. Yeah, I think it's really the argument for Miller comes down to position. And certainly I've been driving that bus for a long time that wings uh, are the most valuable players. But mm-hmm. I, I just I didn't other than the shooting, which I think is I, I'm a believer in the shooting. I'm not I don't know if I'm a believer that he's like 40 percent right. coming off the of screens, just like five alarm fire every single time he gets the ball at six, nine on the perimeter. But you know, I think he's going to be very good there. But there wasn't anything else that like really stuck out to me as being just like a an unbelievable skill whereas so like i wouldn't have uh brandon miller you know at like the absolute top of wing prospects over the years whereas when i watched scoot my overall takeaway was just like you know i was hearing like oh things he's had a disappointing season or whatever i mean i guess like his stats weren't that great or something but like when you watch him on film and you see what the skill mm-hmm. set is it's like what what else do you want from like a point guard prospect like you talked about the the body the length the the strength his athleticism huge hands you know i think very solid passer especially when you consider his athleticism like a better shooter than most of the guys we've seen you know your westbrooks your rose your john mm-hmm. wall types where i think he's almost in that class as, as an athlete and you know it's supposed to be a pretty good guy it's like like if this isn't what a future all nba point guard looks like on film at 19 years old like i would love to know what that guy is supposed to look like yeah i think it's it's been very interesting to like watch the conversation around him i think it's just mostly because of like the dumb 
numbers don't necessarily jump off the screen like you yeah. would maybe assume um, or maybe people's expectations were a little higher. I don't know. But, you know, on the shooting, you know, front of it, he's been a, a high level mid range shooter over the last couple of years there. Um, and also he's also a better percentage wise shooter than, you know, kind of, he's kind of given credit for shot 33.8% on under three attempts. Um, if you include the exhibition game against Victor Wimiyama that he, you know, played in uh, completely, which is a solid number. Um, and obviously all the other things that you, you know, mentioned, but I, I kind of struggle with why people have kind of tried to diminish him a little more as a prospect and, and put him in, in these other conversations. I think that he's, you know, one of those guys and it's hard to, to get somebody who has this production done what he's done on film, you know, being able to go up against, you know, real pros as a teenager. Um, it's just not a combination that really exists very often. And that's why he's the clear number two for me, at least. Yeah, there are not that many guys you look at who are just like have run pro teams at 19. You know, Luca, Luca is that, exactly. you know, Killian Hayes. Okay, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't looking <laughs> like this. You know, th- there aren't that many guys, at least in history, that you can look at like that. Uh, so it, it kind of, re- this conversation at number two, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the conversation we we're having about Paulo at this time last year when we didn't know that he was going to be the number one pick. Everyone was just assuming based on whatever that it was going to be Jabari. And I, you know, I think I like Brandon Miller a, a lot better than Jabari I think there's a, a really good draft at the top but I kind of feel that way again where it's just like you know what what we're seeing here like this is a guy that you can give the ball to like he's gonna be that guy for an offense like there just aren't that many of those guys and you know I think Brandon Miller maybe he could be a number two and possibly ends up more as a, even as a number three it is at a valuable position but if you want your equity of like is this guy gonna be a top 15 top 20 player in the NBA I think Scoot Henderson is a much better chance of being that than Brandon Miller yeah it I actually thought the same thing it kind of does remind me of the the Paulo conversation just around like what he brings to the table there's like this kind of safety label around Brandon Miller um mm-hmm. and like there was kind of there with Jabari as well um but I just think what what Scoot does as a playmaker and being able to to you know put pressure on a defense in a major way and being able to get paint touches at, at an elite rate that's you know what should be valued a little more at the top of the draft all right number three number three is a very tough you know, kind of a decision for me. I think Brandon Miller is, you know, right there, but I really like Amin Thompson. Um, and I know there's a lot of conversation. <laughs> I got to stop Amin having Thompson. you on the show because we just agree on everything. This is <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, you need I mean, to find, find somebody who I can argue with. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot of conversation around Amin Thompson, the Thompson twins as a whole, but you know, just a, a quick spiel on him. Like I, I think, for similar reasons as Scoot, not the exact same. I think Scoot just has the polish and, you know, is a little more advanced in certain areas that give me more confidence in what he brings to the table and puts him in that like upper echelon of, of point guard prospects. But a men's ability to, to put pressure on a defense as well as being one of the, you know, best athletes that I've ever seen, like evaluating prospects, um, both vertically and, you know, in his first step and being able to, to get past guys and create separation there. Um, and also from that point, being able to make plays for others, uh, and you combine that with, you know, some elite defensive potential, um, as he, you know, kind of patches things up and gets to be in a NBA system and, and kind of takes out some of the bad habits or the things that, 
he can get away with at certain levels. Um, I think that he's, you know, a worthy candidate for, you know, the top three, top four of this draft. And, and for those reasons and being able to um, kind of be an engine and just a guy who affects games in a, in a big way. And that's what kind of gives him the, the edge over a guy like a Brandon Miller or a Cam Whitmore or, you know, whoever else, those next couple guys. Yeah, I want to get a little more into him specifically in a second. But yeah, to me, again, it's just a, the upside that he has. I would guess, and this is just my personal draft philosophy, if you play these guys' careers out 100 times between Miller and Amen Thompson, that Miller has the better career more than 50% of the time. That, that would be my thought uh, because of, of Amen sh- uh, shooting and you know just the difficulty in evaluating his setting, which we'll talk more about. But for me, it's just all about those those high-end outcomes. Like you're going to, I think, if uh, a man really hits, he's going to be a guy that you're going to feel him on every possession in a game. Whereas I don't know that that's true for Brandon Miller. Now, part of that is just the shooting has its own gravity and and that's worth something even if you don't see him with the ball on every possession. But yeah, mm-hmm. I think a, a man is just like the that level of athlete with that ball handling, that passing ability, ability to finish at the rim with that size. And I think he's going to be pretty strong by the end too. Like that's, I mean, it's just not a package that you see very often. There aren't a lot of comps for that. And yeah, you know, it might, the shooting might just be so bad that it just doesn't work out. But I think if you're, if you have that skill set at that size and athleticism, like you just, you need to be at the top of the draft. Like you have the possibility to be special where again, I just, I, I question whether Brandon Miller is truly has that ability to be absolutely ridiculous at the top of the NBA. Yeah, that's that's really the the argument for, you know, for me is why I've, you know, continued to be higher on Amin Thompson than Brandon Miller. It's just I think that he's he's able to reach well, he has the potential to reach a, a certain level as a player and be somebody who can can, you know, put pressure on a defense in a way that um I haven't necessarily had confidence in from Brandon Miller. Um and that's kind of what gives him the edge and just the ability to to make some ridiculous passes and um, you know, do some unorthodox things out there and being able to uh, you know, get to s- certain spots that is really difficult to do, especially as a, you know, six, seven dude, I'm handling the ball. Um, so that's kind of the, 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 the gist of, of why I would put him in, in there. How bad is the shooting? Is there any chance that it, it gets to be even remotely decent in your view? I think it's hard to, to make the, that like projection right now. I think that is, it's far away. Um, but he's made progress. And that's the thing that I always come back to is, mm-hmm. You know, both him and Asar have made like tremendous progress over the last year. Uh, if you go back and watch what they did, both percentage wise, I think, you know, Amin was in, you know, the low 20s uh, on lower attempts. He, you know, bumped up. Yeah. This the free year, throw shooting was like 50% or something, wasn't exactly. it? Like that, that was even more worrisome to me. So, yeah, to go from there to, I think he's 69 uh, this last year. I remember 69 or 66. Yeah. But yeah, it's, you know, it's like it's gotten to, above hack a level at least now yeah for sure so like from there now there's certain things mechanically we could talk about like that he's still going to to need to kind of work through and you know break certain habits you know i know a lot of people were talking about the shoulder dip and everything like that um but when he was working out with the blazers but like i think i think for him it's just like being can you knock down a spot shot can you occasionally, you know, make a defense pay for going under on a screen? Like just doing certain things is going to open up his game. Just making you think, making the defender think about him being able to knock down a shot is like all you really want for him to like unlock, you know, some of those, you know, higher end outcomes. 
Um, but it's going to take some work. And from this point, like, it's hard to like say, oh yeah, he's going to be a league average shooter for sure. I think there's some certain steps that he's going to have to go through, um, to get there. But, you know, by all accounts, I think his work ethic is, you know, up to par and is he's, he's up for the challenge. So that's a, that's something that really goes into a lot of this stuff that we don't necessarily from the outside, uh, have a lot of insight on. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's, it's far away. It's, it's going to take some work, but you know, just being able to, to do certain things is like kind of your, your goal for him. Yeah. I, I mean, my operating assumption is that it's not going to really work out, that that's just not a shot you're going to, yeah. going to really want him taking on a regular basis, certainly for a, th- for three. Uh, I'm, and, and I'm even skeptical and you know, a lot of my view of this is like, Hey, what is the top 25 percentile outcome for him? And that would involve some improvement as a shooter. And if he doesn't improve as a shooter, then, you know, you're probably, you know, maybe he could get to be like a lower end all-star, but probably not above that due to some of the, the fit issues. I think though, as long as he could just make a 17 footer when the defense goes under, you know, or at least if he's in isolation as well, if guys like back off him enough that he could just take a 17 footer, like that would be enough for me. I think I like, cause we've seen Yana spend Simmons, like some of these guys, those guys are a little bit bigger than him, but guys who just have the ball, but just, and have size, but have no jump shot at all. That that's kind of a limiting factor where if they're just going to back off or like, if they're going to try to guard you with a center or something like that, like we'll probably even see that tactic right. against him possibly that, uh, you know, I, I think just to be able to make that shot off the dribble, like that would be enough to unlock all the rest of, of this stuff to me. And that's, you know, that's like, uh, it's, uh, he's got like a, you know, a 50, 50 chance of even getting to, to that level. Honestly, like it's, it's pretty bad, but uh, the rest is yeah. so good that I'm willing to like shooting is the thing you can improve. So I'm scarred by the likes of Ben Simmons and Giannis a little bit. Although Giannis, <laughs> Giannis was, I could actually shoot when he was a prospect. They, then they ruined him somehow <laughs> in Milwaukee, but uh, yeah. So, so that's, uh, and then, you know, the transition is still really good. The defense is still really good. Like he's going to find a way to be effective. It's just, it might be tough to build like an absolute, championship team around him if the shooting doesn't at least come around somewhat yeah i think you hit on that like just being able to to get into that in-between game and being able to possibly you know get to the floater i think you know john Morant is a better shooter than him i think you know pretty obviously and did that yeah. in college not a great shooter at all but like what he's able to do with the little push shots in the lane late in the games um off the pick and roll like it's very difficult to to handle as a defense obviously with the ways that he's able to get into the paint so i think that would be a thing that's like more a little more tangible and easier yeah. to to add to what he does um but yeah like the, all the other stuff i think he's going to be able to flip screens and be able to still get into the paint and draw the defense um and get to kick out to open you know create e- easy opportunities and that's why he's you know obviously the other combination of things why he's one of those guys but yeah like that would be that would be one of the things that i would look for first and is a little easier to to kind of accomplish then like he just becomes a 38 percent shooter from three overnight yeah. um that would be like at that point we'd be having a different conversation about you know who he is in relation to this draft he's probably be you know probably be the clear number two if that were to happen yeah, I guess a, another guy that I thought of with him is like later career Russell Westbrook after he forgot how to shoot. And that still is a, like a borderline all-star player. Uh, yeah. Again, hard to build a, a high level of team around it, but he also had more size. Like he's going to defend better than that version of Westbrook did uh, and you know still be a monster in transition. 
What did you make of the environment at, at Overtime Elite? You know, this is will apply to Asar as well. But as we're watching the film of that, like, how does that compare? You think to college, to like the French league where Wembenyama is playing? Like, what do you, what did you think of all that? Uh, and is it like should we dismiss it, or or like you know, is are there just some ridiculous aspects of it, or was it actually you know kind of like a real thing? Yeah. So in terms of like competition level, it's definitely lower than college you know you're playing against some high level you know future nba you know prospects uh high level recruits you've got guys like jay-z and gortman and jalen morton this year who are going to be in contention for like exhibit tens and um you know two ways uh probably won't get drafted but you know there is some talent here it's not like they're just playing against random high school guys um just out there uh putting put into the situation but it is it is much lower of a competition level, and I would have liked to see them take that jump this year and go, you know, play, you know, more consistent games at a higher level of competition. My thing is, like, when evaluating them, we saw them play against some higher level competition internationally uh, last summer or last fall in September and August. Um, and they performed fairly well, a men better than the SAR in those situations, playing against, you know, Mark Gasol's team, playing against Nikola Jurisic and Mega, um, playing against a, a few others in that range. And, yeah. you know, and, and they didn't get smoked similar. by those teams, like just from right. a competitive standpoint, which I, I thought was interesting. Yeah, they played against they played in, against the Adelaide 36ers who went on to beat the Phoenix Suns in the preseason. Now, they didn't <laughs> play their full set of starters in that game against yeah. OTE, but, you know, it's the same similar people as pros. Um, and they played in the TBT as well. Uh, so like we've have a bunch of different reference points for them that makes it a little easier, makes you a little bit more comfortable with, you know, taking them towards the top of the draft. But in terms of OTE, like obviously, you know, what the competition level is, I was actually pretty impressed by their kind of transition less away from like the building up the brand of the, you know, trying to get like a, a TV deal or what they did with Amazon um, and more into like the player development and, and actually getting these guys to to make strides in their games. And I feel like a lot of them did that. Um, and they also are able to focus full time on basketball in a way that, you know, certain colleges aren't now high level D1s. They're not, they're, I'm sorry, they're not in there studying every single night and writing essays. Um <laughs> But, you know, it is a little bit different in terms of the nutrition and the focus and some of the guys that they have around there in that organization. So, you know, I think we're still looking for like we'll know in time, like what OTE is as a developmental program. And they've made, you know, certain strides to add different prep schools and, you know, play different schedules to kind of boost that competition level as much as they can. And also having high school guys that don't have to give up their eligibility to, to play there. Um, makes it a little bit a little bit more appealing, but I think um, we'll be able to figure out like what exactly they are. Um, oh, also, you know, we had Don Barlow last year come out from there, played you know some minutes in the uh, for the Spurs last year towards the end of the year. You got Yam um, Montero who um, was playing very well overseas and was in the Knicks organization. So a lot of different points there. I think we'll just be able to tell in time. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't totally dismiss it. The other thing I would say too for both the men and SR is it's not like they're you see them because they're so athletic and that's the big selling point for them. It's not like, oh yeah, this six two guard who's slow is just like, you know, Evan Turnering his way into the lane and like shooting over smaller <laughs> players in a way that's like never gonna fly. Like that's you know, oh that shot's gonna just get thrown back in his face at the next level. Cause they have the athleticism to where that's not as much of a concern for me. So but I think, you know, people yeah. will say, all right, you know, Sar Thompson only shot fifty four percent on twos in the OT 
CTE and like, you know, is, is that a problem? Like, but this, like, I don't think that this is a, and that includes like some of the exhibitions that they had too, but I don't think that this is like some clown show level of competition. Like, I mean, uh, to me, if they played like college teams, they would beat a lot of college teams. Like it's not it. it, And they have like a real coach and stuff like it's, I think where I, uh, some of the games would kind of fall apart to me is just, all right, they're playing one of these same four teams over and over again. And like, I think there are times that that would just get a little, uh, <laughs> I mean, those are high level, like uh, uh, there's decent intensity in some of those games, but other times I think they're like, oh, we're playing these fucking guys again. Like, yeah. 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 I, you know, like you had Rob Dillingham who's going to Kentucky, who was playing in there. Like there were some other guys that they went up against, but like my thing with them is like, if you're going to criticize them, it should be more like on the aspects of their games. And if you don't like them, like for certain reasons, well, a men's shot or what a SAR does, you know, um, rather than like just kind of blanketly throwing the OTE system or program as the reason that they are highly regarded, like, now these are these are special athletes who would be doing this against you know Alabama or you know whoever in the SEC um, maybe not to the same extent in certain aspects but like there's they we've seen them do it um, against pros so that's kind of the how I feel about OTE right now. So Brandon Miller is number four for you. I think I don't know if we have to talk about him too much more. If that's if yeah. that would be him. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I, I feel the same way. All right, this, now is where I think it, it starts to get really interesting uh, to me. I feel pretty good about that top four. Who you got at five? Then at five, I have Cam Whitmore um, out of Villanova. Uh, you know, six, 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 seven wing, somebody who I think, you know, is one of the best athletes in this class, pretty, pretty clearly in a class full of them, um, really powerful, uh, able to, to attack the rim, uh, and also has some upside as a shooter out there. And I think that his kind of combination of, of skill set, uh, as somebody who can cut at a high level, kind of play off ball and, and also, you know, continue to build as a, as a passer and in his field for the game, that's one of the more, the bigger drawbacks in like what he does, especially in comparison to some of the other options in that sort of range, um, who do that a little bit better. And maybe you have more confidence in fitting in, uh, around certain players. But I think, you know, in terms of like ceiling and, and upside, he has, you know, some of the most outside of those, those main guys, um, in my opinion. And I, I'm, with all the injuries that happened this year, uh, well, with his you know thumb injury coming into the year and kind of having a late start coming into the season, there was uh, some growing pains in there. But I think that what he showed was, especially going back to uh, the FIBA U18s last last summer, um, that he's you know a worthy guy for the top five. Yeah, I think this is this might be our first disagreement. I'm not as as high on him. I, I'm just a right. concerned about a few things with him. Uh, you know, I think I think he'll be a, a passable shooter. I'm just yeah. skeptical that he's ever going to be a guy that you can give him the ball uh, and, and, you know, maybe at this point in the draft, that's okay. But I, and I also, the lack of length is something that actually is a concern for me. If I believed that he would be able to play power forward with that strength and, you know, give you a little bit of rim protection and, and also even defending on the ball, I thought the lack of length like really showed up there as well. So if I was like, okay, I trust this guy to be a power forward, then I might have him at this level also. But I, that, that, and then, you know, the lack of field, just no assists at all, drives left every single time. And I think the athleticism, it looks really good when he has a head of steam going to the rim and mm-hmm. he'll finishing. I don't think he gets off the ground very quickly, which also hurts him with the lack of length when he's contesting shots. 
So when I try to think of like, where is this guy going to play? What is he going to do? Because I don't, I'm not a believer that he's going to be a guy you're going to give the ball to. And then you start to fall into this. Okay, well, all right, if he's, if you're not giving him the ball, like what is he really doing for you? And if he's not going to be like a real plus defender at uh, the three or the four, and he's only maybe going to be okay as a shooter transition, probably be pretty good, but not a guy that is, you know, I, I struggle to see how he's going to score kind of in the high teens, which I think you would need to do to justify here. So I don't know. Do you want to, are those, do you share those observations? Do you think I'm wrong uh, on those or do you just not like everybody else? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that there's, you know, some real, some validity to some of that. I think that I'm a bit more of a believer in what he can do uh, off the dribble. I think that there's yeah. a little bit more to to show there. And I think if anybody who does believe in him in this spot, that would be kind of the, the direction that you would go in. Um, because like some of the link stuff, like you said, uh, some of the ability to play the four easily isn't completely there in the way that you would want it. Now, I think that he's going to be able to spend some time there in the right situation. There's going to be, yeah. have to be some things backside defensively for that. Uh, whoever is also playing um, the three or just how the, the structure of the defense, but his combination, again, like the, the tools athletically and being able to, to get to certain things, um, with the ball and, and hand the upside for the handle. There's some things there that I think he still needs to patch up to kind of fully get that going. But yeah, I'm just more of a believer in, in what he can do off the bounce. Okay. Yeah, that that's fair. I mean, I, and he is, he is a lot younger as well than some of these guys. You know, he's basically like a year and a half younger than a man and yeah. Asar, for example, you know, Asar will be someone that he's, I think, going to be competing with in that, you know, four to six range. Uh, oh, the other thing that bothers me about him is the, the really small hands. That's another thing where mm-hmm. I, I worry about his ability. If it's like, I thought you had the best comparison of anyone that I've seen for him with Miles Bridges as kind of maybe a little bit shorter, you know, six, six, but mm-hmm. kind of more of a four in today's game. But I, I think, you know, number one, Miles Bridges went 12 in what was ended up being an unbelievable draft. And I think Miles Bridges maybe evolved a little bit better than, you know, what kind of your median expectation would be. Now I might say, Hey, you're all about upside, Nate. Like, how are you not liking the upside (laughs) of Cam Whitmore? But I think, you know, that's the fact that he's got kind of these small hands, like doesn't get great extension. Uh, He kind of bowling balls into like, he's actually a guy where I'm like, see a lot of finishes where I'm like, Oh, this actually wouldn't work in the NBA because he's not, he's not really like getting his body between the defender. He'll kind of just, he's got to have two hands on the ball. The time when he finishes, he'll just kind of jump into the guy. He's in the air, figure it out. The other guy will come down and he'll kind of just like push it up with two hands and, and score. So I'm, uh, uh, you know, kind of the, the limited production, you know, not giving a ton of rim protection, the shooting being only okay. You know, I, I just, I guess he's probably in that next group down to me. Um, so I guess I guess Asar would be my number five. I'm not like in love with Asar either, though. Honestly, um, let, let's talk about him a little bit. Yeah, that's kind of the thing with after four for me is like they get a little bit closer together. I just yeah. generally like you know Cam's Cam's upside a little more. Um, Asar, you know, he's a guy who has a lot to like in terms of his obviously the athletic profile. We kind of touched on a lot of uh, some of the similarities uh, between him. Uh, and a man six, he measured in at what six five and three quarters without shoes, or about six seven with shoes yeah. on. Um, seven foot wingspan. Um, and a guy who I think can be one of the better point of attack and, and perimeter defenders in the class. I think he's one of the better movers there. Uh, again, like with with the, a man as well, like 
there's certain things that he is going to have to do and habits he's going to have to break. I think it's just going to happen structurally in the NBA. But like the ability to like mirror players and cut off uh, guys and, and wall up, like there aren't very many others that I see on a, on a yearly basis that can do it at his level. So I think for a calling card, that would be where I feel like his most appeal uh, resides is in his defense. And then offensively, he's kind of a, a jack of all trades in, in a certain way. He's not really a master of anything. Yeah. Um, and I think he's a very good cutter. I think he's a good cutter. I think he moves well. Some of that is kind of playing off of a men and they just have like a telepathic connection and they are able to do certain things. So I would be curious to see how that looks um, away from him just in terms of like the, the, uh, the volume of stuff. But, you know, he's a good cutter. I think he's, you know, obviously a, has the potential to be a better finisher than he necessarily was um, in OTE. And then you combine that with like some of the shooting upside and the, the growth that he's had over the year. Um, one thing that I always think about is like, because a man can't shoot in a way that he can't right now, a star can more, but like, it's still not there at a level where you're yeah. like, Oh, this guy's going to be a, a definite shooter. It's kind of just like the comparison of the two is like, Oh, a star is, is this much you know better, but it's not exactly the case right now. Um, but yeah, like in terms of like his offense, that's where I like struggle a little bit more and put, put him down. Like I, yeah. I'm not a hundred percent sure what he, what he looks like if, that the shot isn't there because like, I don't trust him. I know some people do. I don't trust him as much to run offense. I think he picks the ball up a little too much. He doesn't get to the paint as much um, as a men um, in that way. The assist numbers are very similar, but like if you look at how he's generating these assists and how he's generating these looks, it's not in, in anywhere near the same way. Um, so yeah, if you do he, he's like, like kind of more like a, like an up top passer yeah. instead of like a draw the defense passer to like open up the, the lanes. I, I agree with you on that. Yeah, so that would be kind of the, the my hesitation with him. But, like, there's a lot there for him to be still, for me, like a, a top seven guy. But, you know, again, like, if you don't like Cam in a certain way or you don't like, you know, another guy, like, I, I could definitely see him being that number five um, guy just because of his overall feel to some of the transition stuff, the passes he makes there um, are excellent. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm still kind of talking through what, who I would want to have at, at right. five and, like, are my – I think I'm going to have kind of a, a big tier of players uh, starting at, at that point. Yeah. For a star, I think a lot of the, like, I agree with you. The shooting is not great. Ironically, I think the one thing where he actually, I feel he could be okay at is that 15 footer I was talking about with the men where that that's actually mm-hmm. like, he looks comfortable with that in a way that a men doesn't at this point in time. I think the rest of it, you know, it's still pretty terrible, you know, slightly better than, than a men, but that's, you know, that's isn't the comparison we should be making. And yeah, he just doesn't have that same explosiveness, aggressiveness, not the same change of direction, not the same handle. Uh, you like to talk about guys like getting outside of their body with their handle. Like I think a, a men does that in a way that a, a SAR doesn't and that, you know, facilitates a lot more change of direction and advanced moves. And uh, so, but I, you know, and I think, you know, men just on film looks like a better athlete, even though I'm guessing if you set them up in an empty gym and had them do lane agility and vertical jump, it would be pretty close to similar men's a way better finisher too. Like that was a, a SAR just would really smoke a lot of layups. But I do kind of wonder if, if he's separated from a man, if he gets into like a different strength program, like could he, is there a little bit more athleticism he could unlock? Because in theory, he is the same athlete. It just hasn't quite clicked for him uh, at the same level. Yeah, I think he's just, I think he's a 
slight notch below. I just yeah. don't see that them on the same level. Like some of the aggression, he doesn't use it in the same ways functionally on the court. Yeah. Um, he's still a very good athlete though. Like that's the thing. Like yeah. when you compare the twins, when you put him just like out there against everybody else, you're like, okay, this is a high level athlete. Um, but yeah, like I think there is some some of that ability to get to the mid range and you know get to those pull ups that I like. Um, again, it's just not there completely in the way that I'm like, okay, I'm giving you the ball, let's go do this. Um, and like in terms of being like a wing yeah. scorer or you know at least like a third option. Um, so it kind of comes down to him being able to to knock down a spot up, which I do have more co- way significantly more confidence in him yeah. doing that than than a men or you know even some other prospects. But um, that's kind of the the thought process behind you know who he is and what he does. But like I think you're looking at like a guy who you know defends, he can pass it some, you know, connected passing and does that. Does that? It's a good athlete. Maybe knocks down a shot. Like that's a that's a good contributing player in the NBA. It's just like if if he's not generating enough offense for you um or he doesn't like take on secondary ball handling responsibilities you kind of think about uh you know who he is or what that what that is yeah i mean i like him as in transition you know hit aheads that kind of stuff you know i, I think you could be a, a good connector but yeah kind of the use case uh is not uh, the same i think as it is for men um yeah so whitmore and a star like they they kind of have you know, a, a lot of upside a lot of athleticism but maybe don't kind of fit into a specific role you know i think of both of those guys as you know having a decent uh, amount of bust potential for that reason where if you're not hitting at those high-end outcomes like what do you what are you you know fitting into just a normal team's ecosystem then there's this group of guys that we haven't talked about yet that I feel, you know, don't have the upside of either of those guys probably, but do fit in uh, to kind of what you need at certain positions more easily. Uh, who would you think be talking about next? Well, so what I guess first we could say, would Asar be your number six or would it be, be someone else? At six, um, I haven't finalized it yet, but he'd be kind of in that range. But a next, another guy would be like Jairus Walker yeah. um, out of Houston. Um and what he brings to the table as a you know six a dude who's you know physically built um, you know has defensive versatility and is able to you know provide some rim protection at the four and you know at the same time can you know move in space and do some things against especially against wings and um, you know bigger bigger guards and you know you look at the combination of those things along with some of you know the play finishing and athleticism around the rim um, now there's a, a certain point to that finishing that he'll still need to get better at but you look at that along with some of the stuff that i think he's going to be able to do in terms of being a passer he didn't show a ton of it at houston but like prior to and also you know some of the flashes i think that he's a, a much better passer than you know maybe he showed and you combine that with like some of the stuff that he does off the dribble now i'm not saying that he's going to have like do a ton of that in yeah. the NBA, but like being able to attack a closeout, maybe get up, get into a jumper or, um, you know, things of that nature. He showed that. And I, I kind of like his handle a little more than, than, uh, you know, you would expect from like a, a power forward, especially at his size. So those combination of things put him in that sort of range for me. I'm interested to know like where you have him or who, if there's another guy in that kind of conversation. I think I like Taylor Hendricks better than him. Um, mm-hmm. it, we actually just talked about him a lot yesterday. I, I, I believe, I think like Taylor Hendricks shooting could be a plus weapon. 
And I think that rim protection appeals to me. I don't think that Jairus Walker is like that much better on the ball than Taylor Hendricks. I don't think either of them are necessarily a guy who's going to like get through a screen on ball. I think yeah. They can both hold up. I think maybe Taylor with just a little bit more explosiveness. I know that uh, technically Jairus Walker has better length, but I think the Hendricks has the higher standing reach. So I, I like him yeah. as a shot contester on the perimeter a little bit better. So I think they're close to equal. You know, I, I that ability to maybe defend some centers that Jairus Walker has like that's useful, but maybe not, you know, against more than like three or four teams. So, yeah, I think I like Hendricks better because I, I like the rim protection a lot. I, and I think like his shooting to me is real. Whereas I didn't particularly love any aspect of Jairus Walker's offense other than that kind of in space short roll passing uh that mm-hmm. uh, you highlighted while it, in your video so i think i would go hendrix because i those those plus skills to me are just a little sexier than uh you know what jaris walker brings or i think jaris walker would be a good player for a while but he got kind of just fits in as a cog in the machine whereas hendrix like those plus skills are a little more intriguing to me yeah i think like the argument between those two is like how you feel about the like how tangible some of the upside Jarius has as a creator, the passing, the the handle, and also what Taylor Hendricks does more a little bit more easily right now as a shooter, and yeah. you know I, I guess maybe fitting in as a lob threat a little easier or you know finishing plays around the rim, um, at least doing some of that. That's kind of the where the argument resides because they are pretty similar at least in terms of like yeah. impact defensively and in, in different in their different ways. Um, so I think it's kind of a, just how you feel about being able to kind of slide into the role and then growing from there, whoever does that easier. I think Juris is a little, is going to be a bit better shooter. I'm, I'm a hmm. little, um, I'm not, not sh- better shooter than Hendricks. Um, but I think he's going to be a better shooter than he's shown. So okay, far. Yeah. Just looking at his rate of improvement over the last year, like Hendricks is a, is one of the better shooters in the class to me. Um, yeah. especially at that size, but Walker's ability to, um, or his, his improvements over the last year or so, uh, taking out some of that backwards lean in his mechanics and, you know, just some of the confidence that he had down the stretch of games. I was at that Wichita State game, um, where, you know, he was having a pretty rough game shooting wise. He just kept shooting a three down the stretch, made some big shots on the course of that game. That definitely stuck out to me. Um, and, you know, I just think that like league average is doable. And when you're in that kind of range, um, you know, you have a good chance to be a, a, a impact player. So that's kind of, part of the reason why I think he's like a, a notch above. Yeah. And he could well end up being a, the better player too. I mean, I think it is relatively close to with those guys. Um, all right. So would, uh, so Jarris would be, you know, kind of in the mix with you at mm-hmm. six or so who else is uh, next on the list for you? Yeah. So I think I've, I've kind of grown on him a little bit more lately and that is Anthony black. Um, and just kind of his upside overall. Hendrix is in this same range too. We uh, kind of yeah. mostly talked about him. Um, but Anthony black as a, you know, bigger guard, uh, you know, wing size can defend one through three defensively, um, impressive playmaker in, in a lot of different ways. And, you know, given the spacing that was at Arkansas this year, it kind of throws off some of the, you know, projection of, you know, what he can do as a, in terms of like providing rim pressure and, you know, finishing at the bucket, which is something I think there's still some questions about is why I have him more in this range instead of like top five, because yeah. if I was more confident in him being able to, you know, really put pressure on a defense or um, not pick the ball up as much and, you know, some of those things. 
then I think he would be in that range. Um, and also, you know, he, he, as, as weird as his shot looks at times, like he shot 34% on unguarded catches to threes. Like there's, he's in a decent spot, at least in terms of like being a, a, a shooter in the future. But I think you look at his defense potentially, you know, the best could potentially end up being the best defender in this class. Um, at least for among guards, uh, along with some of the playmaking that he does and he belongs in this like top 10 conversation with these dudes. I'm curious to know what you think about Anthony Black or if there's another guy around here. Yeah, I think of all the guys that I've looked at, he probably, and I think I've looked at either 10 or 11 now, I would have him a little bit lower. Uh, I, I actually mm-hmm. think he will be able to make spot ups, but the way he shoots it kind of off his chest, like it's never going to be a quick release. He's not, I think it, as a off the dribble shooter, like he kind of drawing dead, you know? So, mm-hmm. and I think he'll be adequate as a spot up shooter, but it's really going to take him a lot of time and space, particularly against NBA athletes with that low release point. Like he's going to need a lot. Um, you know, I love his DV. Like I really enjoyed watching him. His intelligence is off the charts. I think he can pass some, but it's kind of more as a connector. Like I, I, my default is he's probably not going to be a dominating enough on ball guy. Like I'm not sure how he scores enough out of pick and roll that that's something that you're really going to run as like a main thing. Like I think he makes, you know, I think he's a very good passer. You know, he's good at finding the role man if he gets double teamed or it, not as much, I think, finding the, the weak side, but he's still, he's solid there. Like I think he is a, a point mm-hmm. guard level of passer, but I, I think he's going to be a good player for a long time. But to me, because of the shooting and scoring limitations, maybe profiles as more of like a, it's hard for me to see how he gets into like the top 20 at his position at point guard, because those are guys who are really like good pick and roll players. And then it's tough to fit in around him because the shooting will be, you know, I think at best adequate at spot ups. And so I see him as probably more of a third guard, a guy who coaches are going to love that we're really going to enjoy watching, but it's hard for me to make the case. And maybe the case is that, you know, he would be a lot better getting to the rim and scoring. Like I, I believe in his yeah. floater too. I think that actually could be someone that'd be pretty good. Um, But yeah, that that's kind of my issue with him is I'm just not sure how much at that position drafting a guy in the top 10 that you don't believe can be like a, a primary pick and roll ball handler. I, I would be a little lower on him personally. Yeah. That's, that's really what it comes down to is how much you believe in his ability to get to the bucket because you know I'm not I'm not a huge fan of like what he's shown off the dribble at this point like in terms of the shot like the time and it's kind of the same as like Josh Giddy like in a way like just being able yeah. to get into the shot like smoothly and fluidly is just not really there in terms of like you know being a pick and roll ball handler and punishing an under or uh, you know doing those types of things um, and also because like if he can't do that and also can't get to the paint at a high level or is able to you know be stymied out on, on the perimeter then you know you have a guy who's not you're not really giving the ball to there's going to be other options out there for whatever team that he he ends up on so um, but I, I generally like just like his well-rounded skills I think he's going to be a, a top-notch defender and that's kind of what pushes him into this this sort of range for me and I'm if I'm a team like I'm kind of interested in his upside and like kind of unlocking those other those other areas of his game um like a Washington at eight I think that's a that's an area especially like when Beal was there because he you know what he can do off the dribble but like I think Washington at eight isn't a isn't a terrible um landing spot for somebody with like his skill set just being able to give him the ball and kind of see what he can do from there yeah uh so I, th- I think it's really, I, I don't think we have a ton of disagreement on what he is. Maybe it's just a, a mm-hmm. question of how, how you use it. Um, yeah. So 
I was very impressed uh, with Grady Dick, uh, particularly just for one and done guys. Danny talked about this, that you don't see a guy who's like playing in this way, working off the ball. I mean, now J.J. Redick uh, didn't come out after his freshman year, but he's kind of the last guy that I can think of who played this off ball shooting guard kind of role at this age. I wanted to ask you, since we're running a little short on time here, the biggest question that I have about him is defensively. What do you see uh, from him defensively? Because I, I think offensively, I love his skill set, the the finishing at the rim, pretty decent athleticism for this player type, but moving off the ball, I think that could be very valuable. I believe in his shot, at least to be very good, if maybe not like the absolute elite in the NBA. Uh, what do you make of him defensively? I actually think he's a little underrated defensively. I thought he was pretty good. Yeah. Um, team team wise i thought he did a good job of understanding rotations and being in the right spot got better there over the course of the year and then in terms of like guarding wings or like size players i think he can do that very well and then did that um at a high level throughout the year the thing with him is just going to be on the switches it's going to be on you know getting onto guards the foot speed isn't quite there to be confident in him like you know you get switched on to a, a Kyrie or you know whoever the whoever the case you can pick a guard um that's going to be the area that like kind of decides how how he is defensively especially down the course of late games like if they just start attacking him um that could be something i think could could be a, a problem that arises defensively but everything else like decent foot speed not i'm not saying that he's like a uh a, a cone or something you know in terms of that but like everything else is is positive on that end to me and um combined with the other stuff in his game i think he's a very good bet uh in this you know late lottery sort of range to be a, a high impact player no i i i'm trying to figure out how much i really value this skill set i i would probably have him above anthony black and mm-hmm. i maybe that's as far, as high as it would go to me i might even have him above jaris actually i would say mm-hmm. uh, i still need to try to fi- figure that out but i i think like he could, knows the game well enough and competes well enough makes help plays like i think he would maybe he's not gonna switch on to Kyrie. you know i think he could at least be trusted to like you know direct Kyrie to the help uh but i think he also just has enough feel where okay he can just execute the conventional pick and roll coverage against a pick and pop uh, by whoever he's guarding well enough that like it's not going to be a disaster like he'll he'll compete you know it's not going to be you know duncan robinson tyler hero like would you agree with me that he's at least like a notch above those sorts of guys for sure he's he's definitely not in those kind of conversations it's just like in terms of like looking for something that is he's going to struggle with i think it'd be it would be that um but yeah everything else like the ways that he's kind of able to equalize for some of that and be able to compensate and like beat players to to certain spots or um you know obviously all the help stuff that is great and i think you know when you're looking at defensive players a lot of times i think i start to value guys who have more of that feel and are in the right spots help wise rather than like a, a big time athlete who you know is super active in passing lanes but like gets beat on back doors and is falls asleep all the time like i think it's a little easier to build around or have somebody in a lineup who is going to be in the right spots you know that they're going to be they're not going to take a bunch of risks and and do all that um than a guy who's like kind of all over the place um at, at times yeah well and he still made some plays he had 50 steals on the yeah. even with that rebounds a little bit too like he'll, he'll stick his nose in there mm-hmm. you know he's able to get up off of two feet for some dunks on occasion maybe not spectacular dunks but it's it's uh <laughs> it still counts um okay so that that's uh, all the guys that i have done 
scouting work on who are our do you have anyone above any of the guys that we've talked about and, and we can kind of if you have any kind of sleepers further down we can get into that in a second too yeah i have case and wallace in this sort of conversation um you know towards the the back end of the lottery um big fan of his defense uh some of the same similar points of like being a primary pick and roll ball handler and just like kind of the the difficulties in picking a guy at, at this point um who maybe you don't think can do that. Um, but I, I really love his defense. I think that he's a, a capable shooter, um, somebody who actually could get to that mid-range uh, in terms of uh, getting into punishing unders in the pick and roll and doing things of that nature. Um, I just think he's a really well-rounded guard who makes winning plays and has good size and is able going to be able to contribute at a high level. Um, in the NBA, He's so he's in that kind of conversation. I think Kobe Bufkin out of Michigan is in there as well. <clears throat> and he's somebody who I was – who I would have said was a sleeper, like if you asked me a, a month or so ago. Yeah. But I mean, his 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 uh stock has risen up to you know as high as like the top ten and being in those kind of conversations. We'll see how much of that is actually you know real or smoke or posturing or whatever it is. But you know, I think that his appeal has only grown as a you know six five dude combo guard, really kind of <clears throat> rangy, wiry type of athlete. He's somebody who I could see in this in this combo as well. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I'm. Do you think that there's kind of like a point at which the draft falls off? Like, are there kind of like lines of demarcation for you where you feel like uh, you, you're not getting the same value picks wise? Um, somewhat, somewhat in the in the end of the lottery, I think yeah. potentially. Um, it starts to get a little. You get a little bit less confident in what some of these guys can do, but there's also like a pretty broad range of them, in my opinion. Um, everybody from like Keontae George, you've got Bilal Koulibaly in there. Um, Derek Lively for what he does as a rim protector, and you know how he performed down the stretch of the season. I think he's kind of in there, but like it gets a little bit more difficult at that point. And then after that point, I would say like 40 ish, like then I start not being a bit, a huge fan of some of what they can do as like rotational players. Yeah. I mean, I guess that that's probably most drafts, right? I mean, Danny and I were talking about like trading second round picks. It's like, once you get below like 40 or 45, your, your chances of getting a, a real player are pretty limited. Uh, you know, at that point you probably have as good of a chance of just signing someone undrafted than, you know, necessarily uh, someone that you picked. Um, other guys that you think you're higher on the, than the consensus? Um, I think one of those guys would be Bryce Sensible out of Ohio State. Um, <clears throat> I'm a big fan of what he can do as a scorer. I think that there is, in, in multiple ways, just with his sort of creation as a big body dude, um, somebody who can you know get to his spot on the floor and also knock down shots at a high rate on spot-ups, catch and shoot. Um, and just did it in a per minute basis beyond, you know, what most freshmen are able to do. Now, I think all the concerns around him and why he's kind of drifted into like the late first round and, and into the early second by some people is because of like some of the defense and, you know, playmaking that he's really going to have to continue to get better at specifically defense. I think some of the, the stuff that he's able to do as a decision maker will just happen over time um, in regardless of whatever role that he plays. But I'm I'm willing to bet more on some of his scoring in that like top 20 ish type of range, um, being able to, to come to fruition and adding value in that way um, than where he's kind of currently placed. But that would be one of the one of the guys I think I've become a little bit higher on. Yeah. So so he's kind of this like high scoring shooting combo guard, your your Simons, your Jordan Poole, your hero type of guy kind of, kind of along those lines. 
I haven't he's seen kind him of all, a actually, but yeah, yeah, he's more of a, a big two guard or a wing at about six six. Like he's mm. he's he's big. Um, and like comparison wise, like I you know comparisons are never like one to one, but like something like a TJ Warren is like more his wheelhouse in terms oh, of like what okay. his impact could be. Um, just being able to get to his spots and you know he did it at a really high level. Great footwork. He's somebody who, like, you immediately see it. It's just about everything else because you don't want to, like, fall into the Cam Thomas thing, which I think he's kind of been put in a weird position, like, the last couple of years. Like, yeah. he's shown that he can score the ball. Like, he, <laughs> he can score the ball. Um, but, like, it's the other things that have kept him off the court and, like, kept him from earning the, the full trust of whoever the coach was at the time. Anybody that, I mean, not to say that, you know, you're killing this guy or, that you know, he's not an NBA prospect, but anyone that you've seen – uh that you're like eh, you know, maybe i'm a little bit lower on this guy than some other people yeah <clears throat> i think that would probably be like jaime hawk is yeah only because out of ucla only because he's started to get into like this 20 23 24 type of range i think that he's a solid bet as an upperclassman like in the top 40 top 35 we're talking like that range but as a guy who's been like an undersized power forward in college and we've seen him score in the interior most of the time, he's been less willing to shoot the three ball. He shot 30% on two and a half three-point attempts the last couple seasons. The willingness just hasn't been there. Like defensively, I think there's a little bit more concern than in terms of like him guarding on the wing full time and being out there in space than uh, he's had the opportunity to show in the past. Um, so those would be kind of more of my, my main concerns on him is like, where does he kind of fit in? But like my lit- litmus test for like a guy like him is like George Niang. Can you be somewhere close to George Niang as a contributor at the NBA level? I think it's a possibility for somebody like Hawkins. I think he has a little more off the dribble um, than even Niang showed at, Ohio- at Iowa State. Um, so like yeah. he's he's fine. He's fine. But like we started getting a certain range. I would rather go in a different direction at that point. Well, and George, I mean, he wasn't anywhere close to this level of shooter as a prospect. I mean, yeah. he really, really worked in Utah to make himself into one of the better shooters at that position. I don't think that that destiny was preordained for him at all as a prospect when he was kind of more of this jack of all trades, you know, do stuff off the dribble, play make as, you know, kind of this, uh, mm-hmm. you know, kind of a bigger guy, not incredibly athletic, but you give him the ball. Now he's, he's made himself into a great off ball player. Um, all right, man, we've kept you for way too long, uh, but uh, <laughs> the uh, the Hoop Intellect YouTube channel, absolutely essential viewing. And, you know, you, even, of course, uh, after your team drafts somebody, you want to learn more uh, about him and uh, spend 13 minutes on it. This is the place to do it. So uh, loving your work, man. And, and uh, it's great having you on the show again. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on anytime, man.